What does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our time on just making it through the week, helping our children with online school, balancing our job and our family life, finding time for our spouse or our significant other. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday. Did you know that in a week there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending only 80 of those focusing on our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. All right, welcome everybody to the 10,000 Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. I'm actually joined by a special guest. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here at Arise Church, and I'm joined not by Sawyer Trap, who is actually on vacation in Beantown, leaving in the middle of winter to go to where it's even colder than Colorado in the Northeast in Boston. But I'm joined by a very special guest, Kenton Chan, one of our elders here at the church, good friend, of ours. Some of you guys know him in the church. And if not, uh, Kenton, could you just introduce yourself? Sure. Um, yeah, as Matt said, my name is Kenton Chan. I'm one of the elders here at Arise Church Denver. Um, my wife, Erin, and I have been um, really blessed to be a part of this entire church community for probably about seven or eight years now. And it's just been amazing as we kind of look back on our um, experience and growth um, in this community as to um, just how much we've grown because of the love that we've been shown by everyone um, at Arise Church. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm going to miss something because you and your wife do so much, but you know, you came in as members of our church, started serving, uh, you've served on the worship team, you've served as a, a kids ministry teacher in Elevate Kids, you then you became a leader in our in one of our ministries, um, organizing, coordinating our Denver rescue mission, you know, local outreach stuff. Um, and then just a few years ago, you came onto our elder board as well. So I'm sure you've done other stuff, um, but, you know, just have really moved and progressed and taken on more and more responsibility and leadership. And we love that um, about you and about your wife, Erin. That's been awesome. Um, but not only have you guys done that, but now you guys have really actually been for several years now, been, been sensing a call by God to go into more vocational ministry, meaning you know, we're all in ministry, of course, but this would be ministry that would be, you know, your profession, your career. So tell me a little bit about how you started sensing that and what that process was, because I know it's been quite a journey. Yeah, it really has. Um, you know, as, as we've gotten to share with people this vision that we have for just sharing the gospel, um, Aaron grew up in the church. Actually, both of us grew up in, in separate churches, of course. And Erin just always had a heart for, um, for missions. She went on many short-term trips and um, was baptized, I believe, when she was in eighth grade. And even when we got married, her dad even said as much that um, he, he always thought that, that she was going to be living abroad somewhere, probably in Latin America, and they'd hardly ever see her because she had such a heart for um, other cultures. Um, I was a little bit different. Um, I really didn't grow up with that type of experience. Um, there was very little emphasis on um, sharing faith. And um, it really just, uh, for me, had become something that, you know, I, I maybe knew a lot about, uh, because I was in church for probably 
um, almost every Sunday for the better part of my first uh, 12 or 13 years of life. Um, so I knew a lot, but it, it really hadn't sunk into the point where it was something that I truly believed in. Um, and uh, it really was just a few years ago, probably about four or five now, that um, we had just returned from a trip to Taiwan, uh, where my family is originally from. Um, at that time, I also happened to be reading a book um, called Radical by uh, Pastor David Platt. And um, as I kind of looked around at the things that we saw in Taiwan um, and was really reading this book that was really focused on um, this idea that um, that we've sort of, uh, as Christians, maybe allowed our faith to be mixed unintentionally with the idea of the American dream. Um, and we've missed the bigger picture of God's global uh, mission to, to just bring people into his kingdom from every nation and people. I just started to really hear that message and one day just approached Darren with this idea that, hey, I wonder if God might be calling us to move outside of the United States and, and just share the love of Christ with um, other people who may not have the same um, privileges and access that, um, that our friends and family do here in the U.S., Sure. And, and that's, that's a really big move. So what happened, you know, cause I'm sure there might be some people listening who may be experiencing that or wondering, is God leading me to, to do something like this? What, what kind of confirmed that for you and, and you were ready to go? Was there some like divine voice? Did God, you know, show up in a, in a cloud or a lightning storm or something like that? How, how did, how did you get confirmation about this? Yeah. I, you know, I, I know I always wish for this. Um, I, I just wish God would send me an email or a text with what he wants us to do. Yeah. Um, but but it, it usually is not that that clear cut. And for us, it definitely was not. Um, it really was um, spending time in God's word in the Bible over a period of time, um, really with fresh eyes. Um, I hadn't grown up reading the Bible at all as a practice. And when I finally did start reading it um, about 10 or 15 years ago, when I first truly started to believe in Christ, um, even then, I, I think it was still with a very um, self-focused perspective. Mm -hmm. And as I kind of um, started to, to see what David Platt was teaching, um, not because it was his words, but because he kept pointing us to what God was showing us throughout the Bible from Genesis all the way throughout Revelation, just understanding that it was never, um, yes, God loves me, but it's not about me. It's about his kingdom, and I'm being brought into that. And if I've been rescued, how can I you know, sit in the lifeboat and not reach out to others who are drowning. Oh, that's good. I like that. And, you know, I believe that there can be that specific call that people have to go into full-time vocational, you know, career ministry, like, like you have sensed, like I sensed a long time ago, but I really feel like God has a call for each person that we are called into vocational ministry, even though it might not be our career, we are called to some kind of ministry. It may be to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a parent staying home with your kids, but everyone is called into some kind of ministry. So I think we all can like learn from your story because we should be searching the scripture, stop thinking about ourselves and how has God planted me where I am with my gifts, my skills, my, my temperament, all the things around me to do what he's called me to do. 
maybe in the business world, maybe in ac academia or, or teaching in the school system or in the government, or, or, or maybe it is to, you know, pick up your roots and go across the globe to tell people about Jesus. Um, but we all have that calling. So I think it is important for us to all like prayerfully say, what, what is God calling me to do? Um, I, I, yeah, I think that's absolutely. Good. So, you know, there is some, you know, different circumstances over the last year that have kind of led you to the point where you're saying, hey, we're leaving this summer now. So tell me a little bit about some of those recent changes that have happened over the last year, year and a half. Yeah, so um, over the last year, when when you're thinking about making this type of move, or really anytime you're making a, a, a move in your life and you follow Jesus, there should be prayer involved. And there certainly has been pretty much every day for the last four or five years for me and Aaron specifically as it regards to moving abroad. And um, over the last year and, and really um, even, even more so the last three months, as I mentioned in my message um, a couple weeks ago, um, we started to see that that these prayers that we had been waiting to be answered um, suddenly were all being answered. And there was no reason for all of these requests really um, to be answered at the same time. Um, you know, just to give a quick example that I've been able to share with a lot of people um, who are curious about our situation is, um, you know, we've got a two-year-old daughter now, and when we first started talking about missions, we didn't have a daughter, so it's just the two of us. It's a much different situation when you're thinking about moving abroad with a two-year-old daughter, and so one of the things we've prayed so much about is having a, a, a place that is um, safe for Judah um, to be, to feel at home, to feel loved, um, not just by us, but by her neighbors, um, a place where she can get an education because um, we do think that education is so important. Aaron's a high school art teacher. You know, we're both um, college graduates. Like we understand the importance of education. Um, health, uh, access to health, good health care has been important because Aaron um, went through so many health struggles herself um, growing up. Um, but it wasn't just those things. It was also that um, we wanted that safety, but at the same time, we felt this this calling, this desire to share um, the the true Jesus that's revealed in the Bible with people who who maybe have never even heard about Jesus. And when you think about how quickly information is disseminated in our world right now, um, you know, a lot of times you're talking about. Um, moving to places that are in the middle of nowhere, in a desert, in a jungle, high up in the mountains without access to a relatively safe community and good education and good health care. Um, and all these different conflicting requests suddenly were answered by God in these last three months um, through this job opportunity that Aaron's been given, um, through our different um, partners in ministry um, who are supporting us both prayerfully and financially. Um, these sorts of things really are, are all coming together at once. Yeah, that's amazing. So in particular, I mean, there's some more details to it, but you know, it seemed like there was two huge answers to prayer over the last year for you guys. I mean, we've been journeying with you guys now for a few years on this, Melissa and I, you know, I remember sitting down 
I don't even know where it was. We got coffee or we were hanging out somewhere for a meal or something. And you were like, Hey, we're thinking about being missionaries. And I remember that first conversation, but over this last year, like you guys were thinking about going to Bolivia, uh, South America. It seemed like some doors were open there. And then boom, there was a, a big answer to prayer. Um, like with your job and then with, you know, where you guys are going now. So could you talk a little bit about those two answers to prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just forget about all these different prayers that have been answered. Um, so we were planning to have um, to have me leave my company um, May 1st of 2020. Um, in fact, we had uh, just booked a trip to Hawaii. Uh, we left on February 29th of last year and we're getting back on March the 13th or 14th, something like that. I forget the exact date. And, um, and we were kind of thinking of this as like our final, our last family vacation before we really make this huge push to move to Bolivia. And as you all know, a pandemic hit and the day I was supposed to return to work was the first day of stay at home orders. And so as we kind of talked about what was happening in the world at that time, we were like, there's no way we can I can quit my job in the middle of a pandemic, um, not knowing what's going to happen next. Um, our meetings with potential um, partners had, had slowed down quite a bit. And so we really didn't feel like that was the right time and the right decision. So May 1st came and went um, and uh, I, I kept on working. Seven days later, um, my company announced that due to the pandemic, in large part to the pandemic, many other factors, of course, went into it, um, but they were offering a voluntary severance package to, um, to employees uh, at the company. And normally that's not something I would have been eligible for, being only 38 years old and only about 10 years of service, usually not eligible for voluntary separation. Uh, with a severance, but this time was different. Um, and not only was I eligible, it was also the largest se severance package ever offered by my company. And so this was uh, honestly a, a huge answer to prayer because having a family, having a house and a mortgage and bills to pay um, makes it really difficult to quit your job in order to focus full-time on moving abroad, um, which often might take at least a year or two, um, if not longer than that. And so that was a huge um, question mark in our mind. And um, we have no doubt that God came through in an unbelievable way uh, for us to have income over these um, these few months between uh, November 2nd when I left and now leaving in August of 2021. Um, and then you mentioned uh, in terms of changing location, um, you know, we have not, um, we're, we're kind of being careful about where we're going, but um, Aaron was offered a teaching position and uh, it was not in Bolivia. Um, but as we prayed about it, um, it's actually still sometimes hard, especially for Erin to talk about because we love Bolivia so much and um, she loves the Latin culture and knows some Spanish and things were just seemed like they made sense for us to go to somewhere in Latin America. And yet this opportunity presented itself on my last day of work. And as we talked about it and prayed about it, um, we just kind of came to the conclusion that we've trusted God so far and he's come through. So how can we not 
um, trust him in this next step, even though it's in a completely different direction than we initially thought. Yeah, and it's amazing in this new location, like you said, you're not giving specifics out, uh, you know, except to to people who know closely because of some of the legalities and and just the area. But but I think you guys are saying it's in in North Africa um, and, you know, God is really paving the way. And it's really cool. Like, I love the details of this. Like, God has provided a job for Aaron, a place for you guys to live, a place for Judah to go to school. Um, like God is, has gone before you and is paving this way in a completely different way that any of us could have imagined. Like a few years ago, I would never have imagined that there would be, you know, a company paying you for a year so that you have time to prepare and raise funds so that you can be a missionary, a secular company. Like how amazing is that? Um, and then, you know, this other job that, um, I believe is another secular job that Aaron's been offered. I, I, it's Mm -hmm. not a Christian organization, correct? Correct. But but she's going to have this job, which gives you an in, which gives you connections, which gives you relationships, a place to live, a school for Judah. I mean, incredible way that our God works, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, the, it, it truly, it is true that the cattle on a thousand hills belong to our God. Like he has all, all the money, all the resources, all the people. He can do things. He can move people's hearts. And, you know, if we're just, when we just wait and pray, like it's so cool to see God open these doors like he has for you guys. Yeah, so it makes me really excited for you. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on this podcast was to talk about that. But the other thing was two weeks ago, you uh, delivered a message um, to our church, which I thought was really great. And it was on the concept of Jesus and is he God? So if, if you're listening to this right now and you haven't listened to that message, maybe pause right now. Go listen to that message in our Arise Denver feed and then come back and listen to this. What was the title of your message, Kenton? Uh, The title of the message was, What Would You Say? What Would You Say? And we'll link to that here in in the podcast as well. But go listen to that and then come back and listen to the rest of this as we talk a little bit deeper. But so, so tell me why you picked this topic. Yeah, this topic was... Um, you know, honestly, fairly easy for me to prepare for because it had changed my life. And as you mentioned, it was um, ultimately about Jesus's claims about himself. Is Jesus God or is he not? Um, Because I, you know, especially when I was in high school and college, um, really fell into the camp of you know, Jesus was a, a really good moral teacher. Um, there are great things that all people, no matter who you are, can learn from him. Um, but but there's no reason to believe that he is God. Um, certainly, there's no reason to believe that he ever claimed to be God. And remember, this is coming from someone that spent almost every Sunday in church, in Sunday school. Um, so, so it was a topic that I was passionate about that I think changes lives. But maybe even as Christians, um, we don't always necessarily think about um, or, or let sink in as much as I, I hope it does, because when, when this uh, doctrine really takes hold of your heart, um, I think it changes how you see people, how you um, love them, and how you have conversations with them, even sometimes when they don't want to have those conversations. That, that's right. So... We have those conversations, Kenton, and there's there's conversations that we have with people, and, and often, and I've had these before. People will say, "Yeah, Jesus is great." Like, 
I don't know if I've ever met someone who's like, I hate Jesus, just don't like the guy. Like, um, what did he ever add to the world? Almost everyone, even the most ardent atheist is like, yeah, there's some cool things about Jesus. What he did, what he said is, is pretty great, pretty amazing. I mean, he's counted up there in most every religion of the world with one of the great moral teachers, if not prophets. And yet we go a step beyond that as as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that we're saying, no, 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 he's not just good. Like you said, it's your big idea. He's God. And I love that big idea. Man, you nailed it. Jesus is not just good. He's God. So when we're having these conversations with our friends, with our relatives, with our, you know, people we meet and they're like, oh yeah, I, I think it's great that you, you like Jesus, but, but I, I don't know. It, what do we do with the, in those conversations? What do we say? How do we handle them? Yeah. I, um, to me, and you know, I'm, I'm not a Bible scholar. I didn't even go to seminary. I didn't even go to a Bible college. I went to the university of Colorado, um, go buffs. Go Rams. by the way. <laughs> um, but, but I think that it starts with just being convinced in your own mind, in your own heart of, of what Jesus said. And how do we know what Jesus said? Well, it's through what's recorded in the Bible. Um, you know, you don't have to understand everything that's written there, um, but you need to understand at least that um, this idea of, of Jesus being God isn't something that came out of nowhere. This is something that was taught um, by, the, by his apostles, the ones who walked, um, walked the earth with him, were part of his ministry, um, saw him die, um, and eventually went on to spread his message around the world. And so this is something that has been a part of the Christian tradition for thousand, basically 2,000 years. And yet, uh, for almost as long, there have been as many, uh, there have been people who have denied that. Um, and so we need to understand that it's something that can be understood, and you need to believe it yourself first. That's good. Okay, so you and your message did an excellent job. I mean, you covered so much. It's it's powerful. Like I encourage people to go back and like study, take some notes on this message, even if you heard it the first time, because you did. You went through four or five passages and said, "Hey, look at this story in Matthew. Jesus claims to be God. Look at this story in Mark. Jesus claims to be God. Look at this story in Luke. Look at this story in John. Jesus claims to be God again and again and again and again. It's not us putting that into his mouth. He said it." Um, and then he proved it with his death and then resurrection. He, he proved that he is God. So like that, that's, you, you, you gave us a great way to make that claim. So we could just take those scriptures. And if we were sitting down with someone, hey, hey just look, Jesus didn't just say he's a, a good guy or a good teacher. He claimed to be God. So then what, what's the next step, Kenton? When someone's like, okay, yeah, that's what Jesus said. Well, what does that mean for me? Yeah, Um you know, I, I would, uh, and I don't claim to be super successful <laughs> at having these conversations, but um, I'm trying more and more just to follow up with with questions for whoever you're having that conversation with. Um, you know, if they really are willing to engage in this conversation with you, ask them about, um, you know, who do, who do you think Jesus is and why do you believe that? Um, where are you getting this information from? Um, and what are and and what are your sources? Um, and really, just starting to understand their perspective, because um, I think what we'll find, um, at, at least in my experience, is that a lot of people have formed these opinions not 
based on anything that they've specifically tried to find out for themselves, but really just based on things they've heard other people say, things that they want to believe themselves, whether or not it's in the Bible. And this is coming from Christians and non-Christians alike. Um, we often just have these preformed opinions and don't necessarily um, know why we hold them um, as strongly as we hold our opinions. Yeah, that that's so good. Like, why do you believe this? Well, I heard a professor in college say it once, or I watched this YouTube video and you're like, okay, like, have you ever looked into this yourself? So I think that's really good. Push back a little bit. Where are you getting your view of Jesus? You, you also kind of referenced it just quickly in your message. Um, but I believe you were referencing the, the trilemma that C.S. Lewis laid out. Um, do you, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yep. So, so what is that? And how could we use that concept that C.S. Lewis kind of, he, I think he made famous in his book, Mere Christianity? What is the trilemma? And how can we use it to really push people to, to make a decision about Jesus? Yeah. Um, you know, that book has definitely been transformative to me. And just to paraphrase him, C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity that, um, that Jesus, based on what we see in Jesus's life, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And Jesus didn't leave any other option available to us, and he didn't intend to. Um, I also like, and I know, Matt, you're familiar with Timothy Keller's um, addendum to that. He actually says that there's maybe one L that gets left off, and that's that Jesus could have been a legend. Um, and so I tried to address that as well um, in my message. And so when we look at, at the trilemma or the quad lemma of mm -hmm. Timothy Keller, um, we, we really start to understand that, that it's absolutely true. Jesus makes certain claims that, um, exclusive claims that, by the way, also are super inclusive, the most inclusive, exclusive claims you could think of, if you want, if you will. Yeah. Um, but there, there's just no room to think that he was just a good teacher. Um, he's either a liar, lunatic, or Lord. Right. Yeah. So the default position that most people have is that he was a good teacher or a good prophet. Like, if you actually look what Jesus said, he's either a liar, like deliberately trying to deceive people, a lunatic that he's just crazy um, and, you know, we, we should just ignore him because he should be thrown in the loony bin. Or like you mentioned, Tim Keller's update with the, with legend, like this is just made up after the fact. But when you actually study it, it wasn't made up after the fact. He did say it. So I, I think you can, that's why I just said the trilemma because I think the legendary one we can throw out. Like Luke in the first century yep. investigated all these people. Yeah, eyewitness interviews, you know, we've been going through the gospel of Luke over the last, year almost a year and a half now in the church on and off but like there's there's legitimate claims from four different sources who had all their sources like jesus said this so that leaves either the the first three options right liar yeah lunatic or lord you cannot stay and say he was a good moral teacher yep because to say someone is god it that's either totally deceiving or crazy or he actually is god he is who he says he is and I think you made a pretty compelling case that he is who he says he is. So, so yeah, you could you could take those those ways that you're talking about to encourage people to have those conversations. So, Kenton, what what if someone says like, "Wow, I I, I never, you know, you're right. I've never even thought about this. He can't just be a good teacher. I, I think maybe he is God. What what do we do then, Kenton, in those conversations? Um, 
you know, I think that's a, a wonderful opportunity then just to, um, you know, press the issue. Don't be afraid to lean into that conversation and say, you know, um, if Jesus is God, then what does that mean for you and for me? Um, and I think it's so important uh, to when you're having a conversation with someone that that conversation is about you and about that person. It's not about someone else um, who's not in the room with you uh, because that's just a distraction to what to what you're trying to talk to that person about. Um, so if Jesus is God, what does that mean for you and for me? Well, if Jesus is God, then that means that his words are to be believed. And not only that, let's also talk about um, the other two pillars of of Christianity, really. Um, because, yeah, Jesus might be God, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything in my mind anyways, um, because if, if we don't also have his death and his resurrection accompanying it. Uh, because through his life, he told us who he is, why he came through his death. Um, he paid that penalty. Um, as I mentioned in my sermon, that only God has the ability to forgive um, the offenses against him. And then through his resurrection, he gave us that visible sign of, of his power um, over all of creation. Um, so it's really these three pillars. Um, and, you know, I don't, you don't have time on a Sunday morning to cover everything. Um, so you talk about uh, one thing and hope that it will lead to the next conversation. Right. Yeah, that, that's so good, Kenton. I love that. And if you're listening to this, we, we've said this before, but if you are going to have a conversation, like maybe you know ahead of time, um, if you're going to have this conversation with someone and you kind of want to press them like, hey, Jesus isn't just good, he's God. Let us know ahead of time. You can email me, mwolf at arisedenver.com. I'll be praying for you. If you mention Kenton, I'll send this to him. We'll both be praying for you at the moment you're having this conversation. And then we would love to hear from you. Maybe it just is a spur of the moment conversation and it comes up, someone asks you about it or, or you just get into it. Let us know afterwards. We would love to hear your story of telling other people about Jesus, um, to pray for you, encourage you. We love those stories. So you can always send them mwolf at arisedenver.com. And we would just love to encourage you on that and help you. Or on the other hand, maybe you run into an obstacle. Someone says something that completely throws you off uh, kilter and you're like, what the heck? You know, I, I never would have thought of that. We would love to help you with that as well. So you can email, reach out with those things. And guess what? I still run into things. I'm like, I never have thought of that. Never have heard of that. But we want to help you. We'll get you the resources. We'll coach you through it. Um, we're here for you in that. And I think Kenton would, would be more than willing to do the same thing. More than willing to do Definitely. the same thing. Yeah. And, and Kenton, I mean, so, so this message was practical to you. It, it transformed your life to know that Jesus is God. And now you're going to a country made up with, I think you said like 90% of the nation is in a religion that believes that Jesus is good, but not God. So this is very practical for you. You know, thinking ahead to that, like, what are you doing to get ready for that? Um, you know, the first thing certainly is going to be prayer um, because we can't do anything by ourselves. So um, on a daily basis, I'm asking God to soften the hearts of um, not only the, the people that, that we're going to encounter, but soften my own heart. Because um, in order to be a, a vehicle that God's going to use for change in a loving way, you've got Ought to have an affinity for the people that you are encountering. Um, so I'm praying not only for um, the people where we're going, but also for our own hearts. Um, 
And then from there, just uh, being being willing to ask them about their beliefs. Um, because as I mentioned, to me, um, the, the biggest way to make um, headway in a conversation with someone is to do so lovingly. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to win a debate and all of a sudden help convert someone to Christianity. You're going to show them most of the time over a period of time um, through your love um, and wanting to know who they are. And um, and remember that for some people, not all, um, but for some people, challenging their position on Jesus sometimes can be challenging, not just a, a religion that they maybe, maybe hold very loosely, um, but as, especially where we're going. Um, and I know we have many neighbors like that here in the Denver metro area, um, you're challenging their entire way of life, their family, um, their social status, um, how they interact with their um, their loved ones, um, ev- pretty much everything in their life um, and everything they've done up until that point. So it has to be done in love. It cannot be done with any air of arrogance. That's right on. Well, Kenton, I'm so excited for you guys in this next step in the journey and help. Thank you for helping me, helping our church, you know, grow a little bit. And with this podcast, learn a little bit more, dive deeper into what we were talking about. We really appreciate it because we are all about helping people bring God into their 10,000 minutes, not just the 80 minutes on the Sunday morning here on this podcast. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Kenton, for joining us. And we'll have to have you again before you, you head overseas. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Matt. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. This is Sawyer Trapp again, associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver. We want to encourage you to do three things. First is to subscribe to make sure you're getting the podcast each and every week to help bring God into your 10,000. We'd also love it if you would share this, if you would make this not only a part of your life, but a part of somebody else's. And then finally, if you are benefited by anything that we do, either as a church or on this podcast, we would love it if you would give. You can do that at risedenver.com slash give to continue to support the mission and impact that we're having on this community and in the lives of the people of our church and those discovering us for the first time. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.